exciting and new. You are alive to shine. I'm Beth. And I'm Kate. And this is the Shine Podcast, where we meet lots of different people and hear about the ways that they light up the world. And here's why we're doing this. We've been changed and affected by people who shine with the love of Jesus. And the world needs people like that and like you right now. So be encouraged and let your light shine. And I could have had anything in the world because he, he was financially set. You know, he's a friend. She chose poor love. <laughs> <laughs> I did. Oh, but that was pretty wild. So but. she was here in 73, so you got to Columbiana area. 75. 75. 75. All right. Welcome, Shine Podcast listeners. This is Bethy. This is Katie. And we are shining the spotlight on Greg and Marta Aker in our special month of love, talking about relationships. So, which ours is perfect. It's a lie. It's all a lie. No, 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 no. That's why we brought him here. (laughs) Greg was born and raised in Eaton, Ohio, which is west of Dayton. He went to Bowling Green University and became an art teacher. And he was also a gymnastics. He was also a gymnast. A gymnast. Gymnast. He was a gymnast and got hired in the East Palestine School District. He thought he was going to the Middle East. He wasn't sure, but, and he got his job because he was a gymnast and they needed an art teacher and a gymnastics coach. I went to Bowling Green for science. I was going to be a marine biologist. Well, that's a big switch, art and science. He's an artist as well. Marta was born in Akron, raised in Marion. She came to Columbiana in 1973. She was a teacher at Crestview High School. She's also an artist and an art teacher. We'll let them tell you how their paths crossed, but they've been married 41 and a half years. They have two children, adult children, three grandchildren, and they have been retired from the teaching profession for eight school years, and they've been a part of the upper room. Greg's been here for about 45 years, stumbled across to the upper room because he was making an announcement about a concert and then brought Marta along. So they have been here for, it's 50 years old this year, so the majority of the upper room they've been here i love so much how teachers measure everything by school years you know you haven't been retired for eight years it's eight school (laughs) School years because that's how the year runs yeah (laughs) Yeah. and and it's from september to june yeah so this month we are bringing all our elders and their wives in or our elder and elder next week chris and kate will be with us but talking about relationships and marriage because we know it's a very important aspect of life and we just want to be sharing our stories and encouraging people who are walking through life. So thanks, Marta and Greg, for coming today. Awesome. Great being here. Thank you. Good to be here. Absolutely. Get to see what this looks like from In our podcast studio. It's very posh. People come in, they're like, oh, that's not what I imagined. (laughs) You have very expensive tastes. I love the lamp. I was going to say, lamp from 1983. Thank you. Or maybe it's 1993. So tell us about your love story. Oh. Our love story, our life of bliss. In, in January of 1978, I prayed. I cried for three or four nights and prayed every night that God would change me, change my life, give me somebody to love, change my job, do something, because I was absolutely miserable. 
And then I came along. <laughs> so I actually well, met really. <laughs> Greg in 1977 in October at an art teacher's workshop. Art teacher's workshop. And I recognized his name, but I also recognized that he was off limits. And uh, so I introduced him to a whole bunch of other men art teachers and went about my life. So I go to this art teacher's meeting, Still Valley Art Teacher's Meeting. You were the secretary and didn't know anybody. So she signed me in and started talking. You introduced me to people. And I remember we went over to the Bliss Hall. We met at the Butler, I believe. So it was just neat meeting people. And I, I didn't think anything of it. I mean, it's just meeting people, meeting her. But I was, at that time I was married. I'd gotten married right out of college. And I did not realize what was happening at that time when I went to that meeting. And shortly after that, that marriage dissolved. It was rather quick. I just come to come to Jesus and walking uh, with Him, and so <clears throat> that was a tumultuous. It was a difficult time, and so it happened rather quickly. And I was living on Pancake Clarkson Road, right below Lake Tomahawk. I love the country. I love cross country skiing out there, hiking out there. Just I, I was felt like I was in the Appalachian Mountains. Just loved it, loved it, loved it. Anyway, moved into Columbiana and started going to the upper room. And I, th- I wanted to get back to a relationship. I wanted to date, but I was real scared. But I thought, I, I think I think I'm ready. I'm, I'm going to try it. I remember her, and I thought, oh, she was kind of nice. I, I, <laughs> I didn't know her name. I had the list of those who attended, but I didn't know who she was. And I knew she lived in Columbiana, but there were a couple Columbian art teachers. Go through the list and just start calling everybody. Well, I thought that that would be kind of tacky. Are you the one that looked like I, – I remember what she wore, though. She wore a black and yellow dress, and a, even I remember your scarf, it had red in it, which is really weird because I have no idea what you wore yesterday, but I, <laughs> you know, I, I remember. So anyway, so I, I didn't call her, but the art teachers in the area had an art show at Kent State Branch, and I had my work to send, and I'm walking in toward the building, and I see this girl that had this kind of tan coat. I remember that, too. And I'm think, thinking, I think that's her. So I'm starting to follow her, and we go into the building, and I know where I'm supposed to drop the artwork off, only she goes one way, and I thought, well, that must not be her, because if she was, she'd be going this way. Well, it was her, but she wasn't ready <laughs> to. <laughs> to turn in my artwork yet. To turn artwork yet. Oh, what did okay. you have to do? Some matting? I still had to put name tags on. Name tags on. I was ready. I was all done. <laughs> so so we were, we almost met then, but this is really cool. The next day, I had to go to an art supply store called Colasars, which no longer exists on Indianola Avenue. In Market up, Street. In Market Street up in Youngstown. So I go up there and I brought my neighbor, little Jerry who lives downstairs. And I walk in and Marta is at the counter. And I go, hi, hi. And we start talking and she said, is this your son? I said, no, this is Jerry, my neighbor. Jerry, this is, and she goes, Marta. Now I have her name. He didn't remember my name. But he remembered your colors your you colors. were wearing. Yeah, That's yeah, yeah. the heart of an yeah. artist. Yeah. So good. Yeah, names, names and numbers go right over my head. So then I called her up and we went. How'd you call her? Well, he had the well, list it wasn't of in my people. cell phone. I know, <laughs> no, back then. like We had phone. <laughs> it wasn't that long ago. <laughs> <laughs> we did have phones. I like, really so like, did you look her name up in the phone book? No, no, no. I had the list of the oh, the, the phone had numbers the, were listed. I had, the yeah. Still Valley list. He had the Still Valley. Oh, okay. I had the, I had the list of the of the names from the um, the meeting. So now I had her name and I had her number. Did you have a rotary phone? 
I don't remember. No, we had those little skinny ones with the push buttons. <laughs> probably, probably, yeah. Attached to the wall and, you know. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah so, so I called her up. I said, let's go to the art show to see our student work. And we went. <laughs> I was so afraid. I said, you know, we stopped at Long John Silver's and she paid for her email. I just didn't want to make it look like a date, like two art teachers. I just wanted to be really cautious. And we went to that meeting to the room. We went back to your apartment, and we we just started talking. At one point, I said, what do you think about going out, going out with somebody who's been married before? I, we just started really connecting, talking, mm-hmm. and I just felt comfortable saying because I was I didn't like that. I, didn't, I wasn't proud of that. And what do you think about that? And then <laughs> Marta said... Well, you've become a Christian and you're asking. Right, I think I talked about becoming a, a believer and a Christian and that's the significance of my life. And and so one of my prayers in the past had been to date someone that would go to church. I wanted to go to church with someone that really wanted to be there, not just because I was there. Mm-hmm. So, well, what do you as a Christian, now that you've asked Jesus into your heart, what do you as a Christian think about going out with someone who's who's had an abortion? And I just laid the cards on the table at that time. That's some first date. That was some first date. We, we got we got really really deep and um, honest. And I said, Jesus is sufficient, and Jesus loves you, and Jesus forgives. And we prayed together. Mm-hmm. And uh, and the rest is history. Yeah. <laughs> About three weeks after that, I told my mother, I think I can marry this guy. So she goes like, Whoa, 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 slow down, slow down. <laughs> but you know, he wanted he loved Jesus. He yeah. wanted to go to church and. How long did you date? Even though I didn't have a personal relationship with Jesus at that time, I knew that that was my answer because I had grown up in church. I knew that that was my answer. He's done all the things that I prayed about. Yeah. In Um, January of 1978. How long did we date? Well, that was January. That was February 1978. So we got married in August of 79. Now, in that process, again, I was very cautious. I was very, I I hate to use the word afraid, but I was. I was fearful. I was afraid. And at one point, I decided, because I, I knew it was getting, we were getting closer. We were connecting. And, and at one point, I, I got scared. I said, how did I say it? We're gonna, I'm going to walk away. We're going to quit. We're going to back off. Back off probably is more like it. I have my perspective of that. You tell your yeah. perspective. So we were explaining that. I, I up, lived up, above the post office up. in in these cool yeah. old apartments. And yeah. so he came to tell me that we weren't going to see each other much anymore. And I got mad because it's like, I'm part of this relationship. This should be a discussion, not just you making up your mind what's happening. And so he went to leave, <laughs> and my apartment had an attic to it. It and could have hallway. a draft and a long Doors. hallway. So I went to shut the door, and I was mad, <laughs> but I didn't slam it as hard as it slammed. The wind just sucked it, and it slammed. <laughs> so I'm walking down the steps, the, the steps right beside right the, post or the office. post office, and it just like echoed down the hall. And I thought, wow. <laughs> so uh, this kind of like put the icing on the cake. So she just trying to call me. I didn't even answer the phone. I was like, this is it. I, you know, and then we finally we, then did we, answer the phone. No, answer the phone. Then we, then we talked. But I remember first time I held her hand, we went to an art teacher's workshop, Pittsburgh. In the summer. So this, this started in February and he didn't give me a kiss or hold my hand for like four or five months. We were riding up the incline in Pittsburgh. That's when I held her hand, which I always say was because I was afraid. I don't know if you've ever read the, <laughs> the incline. Oh, yeah. This is kind of, but that's really not why. But uh, but I was, <laughs> you know, that just, I mean, it was cool. It felt good. And then I gave her a kiss, I think, that during that time period, too. It was good, but it was hard. That's 
how we met. Mm-hmm. So we yeah. got engaged yeah. the following January, February, and we got married August of 79. And it's all history since then. It's all history since then. <laughs> all right. Since that date in August, what have you learned about God in the midst of all these years of marriage? Both agreed his faithfulness. Mm-hmm. Right. His mercy. Yeah, he's. Um, we just we've just seen his faithfulness. Well, our relationship from the get go was based on Jesus. Mm-hmm. We just we opened up. We prayed together. Our first date <laughs> encounter, and we prayed about where we were mm-hmm. and God's goodness. So it's it's always been upon that rock. We've just seen God's faithfulness. She taught, and I taught, and we. So we had two teachers' income, and we made the decision that we would live on my income and put hers away, because if she would quit sometime, we would be used to living on one income as opposed to two, and that we were putting that money away to purchase a house. And we did have a babysitter for a while. Well, we did make a decision to live on one salary, but that was really hard because I had lived independently for seven years. You know, I had my own money. I could do my own thing. And so I remember around the end of the first year, I kind of had a little meltdown and said, you have to give me at least $20 a month that I don't have to account for because we accounted for every penny. And so so I got $20 that I could blow <laughs> however I saw fit, whether it was buying somebody a gift or taking someone out to eat. I didn't have to account for that. But uh, What's that equivalent to today in money? <laughs> yeah, really, that's a good question. But, um, but that, that was very hard for me yeah. to turn in every single bill. And, you know, we had so much for cash, for groceries and cash for gasoline. And, yeah. you know, and we lived very frugally. Mm-hmm. Always lived within our means. And, and, and tithed. And, and, oh, obviously tithed. And the Lord has been amazing. And I think that that's so good to say because I feel like God is so faithful. Mm -hmm. But I feel like there are a couple of things where God says, hey, if you do this, I'll show even more faithfulness. Mm -hmm. And if that's what you're saying, you know, through these years, I've learned that God is so faithful. I think that we don't talk about tithing a whole lot. But the power and the testimony that comes from tithing, faithfulness that God consistently I would highly recommend it to any, any couple. The house that we have now, the way it looks, I mean, I would have never dreamed. And I tell people, we didn't we didn't live like this. I mean, we had hand-me-down furniture, hand-me-down clothes. Used cars. Used cars, old used cars. <laughs> we had a little boom box for our stereo system and a little TV and with rabbit ears. And, you know, and I remember one time Sean saying, why can't we have a nice sound system? And I said, because I live within our means. Live with our means, and and we put money away, and basically it was money in, money out. But at least we had quite an emergency fund. And, but when we built the house, which really was one of the most spiritual experiences, because it was such a God thing, it's so quick and fast, and God was just leading, and it was just it was just really cool. But God just made a way, and it isn't the house, but it was just His faithfulness and His goodness. But the fact that he was the foundation of our marriage, and also just we were committed as a team. To work toward advancing the kingdom, and we just we gave our lives to service. And there was a time when I wanted to get out of teaching. I seriously, I, I I was doing freelance artwork, and I thought I would go 
I started inter- interviewing. I took my portfolio because I was doing freelance stuff and took my portfolio around and doors kept closing, kept closing. And I just thought, well, maybe I'm not supposed to do this. And then I had this revelation that what better ministry do I have the opportunity within the school? So then, so it became like, this is my church. This is my congregation. This is my ministry. And so even the mindset of where we are, the kingdom is, and, and that's our calling and that's our ministry was with us together within the church, but also in our endeavors. And I think also too, we just learned teamwork. We've, I've just always looked at ourselves as being a team. I mean, whatever Marta was involved in, I was kind of connected with and whatever supporting. I was supporting. And I was, but even though we were a team, and though we were very connected, we were also confident apart. When I met Marta, not, not only was I attracted, she was very pretty, classy, confident, creative. She was a great cook. I always, I always tell people I was really married to her because she was a good cook. I mean, Which I'd come over and she true. would whip up <laughs> this one, wonderful, wonderful meals. I go, this is, but it's more than that. But we can stand on our own separately and function well. Function well but as a team, together, we're stronger. The synergy. And, you know, she's done stuff for me. Like, I'll never forget the time I went out with Chip to a concert and came back and pulled in the garage. And I thought, what the heck is hanging up in our garage? What is that? Oh, my gosh. Those are kayaks. Kayaks are hanging up in my garage. You know, when we dated, we we hiked we swam, we downhill skied, we cross country. I liked that part too. You know, she was adventuresome and she was outdoorsy and we did a lot of that kind of stuff. Yeah, but never kayaking, but I always thought kayaking was cool. But she bought those kayaks because she knew I wouldn't buy them. And she also knew that I would hopefully use it with other people, but actually became, she didn't buy them from her, but it became an outlet for us. An opportunity to explore. Bought him because he needed to get out. I needed to get out. Did you save your twenty dollars for <laughs> nineteen? Well, she months. bought the whole. She bought the rack. She bought the everything. everything you the, could possibly the paddles. Need to the get life. Out. Everything. She's done a lot of stuff when I've gone on mission trips and things. Like I come back and the room's all painted and. This has been bought and moved upstairs, and like I'm gonna have to go away more often and get <laughs> get stuff. Done. She probably wants to send you away. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I get away. When are you going again? I forgot to mention in the bio that Greg is also a musician, and he travels with Chip and the Monks, Oops. Chip Richter and the Monk. That's when Marta gets to do whatever she wants. <laughs> yeah. and, he, and he goes on mission trips mission with trip. Chuck and Bruce. Yeah. And- Last one, we went to India, and I came home, went down in the basement, and I just went, "Oh my gosh." All along the wall underneath the stairs was this shelving, shelving unit. unit. And she had Bob Osborne come down and construct that. Again, I thought, I'm just going to have to go away more often and get stuff done around here. So you said earlier, you know, that it's been 41 and a half years of bliss, but we're all married in this room. Yeah. So we know that there's probably some seasons where it doesn't oh, feel so blissful. But tell us about a struggle that you guys had in your marriage and how you worked through that. I think in the area was in the area of communication. Communication's huge. Mm-hmm. I know there was you bring up the fact that there was a period of time where I wasn't listening to what you were saying. Go ahead, you you can tell it. I don't even I don't remember what the issue was. Yeah, we, and we don't remember this, yeah, we but don't we know the process. Yeah. So I would bring <laughs> something up and it would always immediately make him mad. And it's like Darn, I can't talk, you know. I can't bring this thing that apparently is concerning up 
And so I finally just got really ticked off one day and just said, would you just shut up and listen? You don't have to fix it. You don't have to feel responsible. Just listen to me. Just let me get it out. Do you know why you were defensive or? Yeah, we, we really don't remember what the don't, issue was. I, I don't, I don't, but I think it's. It went it's away ca- though. It kind of goes categorical. I think in a lot just of. Just told him shut up. I think <laughs> a, lot of, in, in a lot of men, <laughs> when we hear topic. a problem, you, have to, you feel you have to solve it. I have to fix it. And a lot of times the woman or just listen to me. I mean, that's a major thing in counseling. You just listen. You don't offer the solution. You let the person discover the solution. But so whatever listen. that was went away. After I got it out, and he listened, he didn't have to fix it. It just went um, away, whatever it was. And the technique of quick listening. Mm -hmm. We learned that. We learned that technique. In other words, where one person says what is on their heart, Mm -hmm. their issue, and the other person repeats it back. It slows down the process. Then the other person can say, no, that's not what I'm saying. I'm saying this. Because how often in our conversations when, you know, the, the wife is blasting her husband or whatever, saying this, you're, you're getting ready, you're loading your gun, ready <laughs> to shoot your gun. And then all, all you're doing is shooting back and forth at each other. You're not listening. So you repeat what they said and they go, no, that's not, that's not what I'm saying. I'm how saying this. And so you finally get out of what the other person's saying and then, then you give your, your side. That's called quick listening. It's really we cool. learned really... to do that mm-hmm. because sometimes I would be downstairs working in the kitchen and the kids are going crazy and I need help and I'm running behind. And instead of going to the steps and saying to Greg, could you please come down and help me? I need some help. I would just start slamming things around and that would make him mad because he knew something was wrong and he thought I was mad at him. So we learned to work through that, that if we need help doing something instead of getting mad and yelling because you're frustrated because it's not working or you're running behind or whatever it is, to just go to the other person and say, could you please come help me? I really need help because it's received so much better. And when you ask for help, they're always willing to help you. It doesn't matter if it's him asking me or me asking him or the kids. Yelling doesn't help the yeah. issue at all. <laughs> I think the, you know, another thing we kind of struggled through, I love to work. I love to get things done. I love checking off the list. <clears throat> Are comp- you a three? I'm a co- I don't know what I am. <laughs> Accomplishing things. And I find myself getting involved and getting into a lot of things. And, and whatever I do, I, like, I want to do it well. So turning that off and playing and relaxing sometimes is difficult. That's why buck kayaks. That's why buck kayaks. <laughs> That's, yeah. I think we had to, still learning to balance that and turn it off and turn off the work and just play and relax. And there was a time when I was, of course, teaching high school. I was president of the Steel Valley Organization. I was teaching at the university. I was had artwork in a gallery and I was producing. And I tucked Sean into bed one night and he asked me to do something. And I said, Sean, I can't. I got blah, blah, blah. And he goes, Dad, when's this going to end? And it was just like, oh, my gosh. And so I began to wean from that. I, I think I quit producing. Always wanted to be in a gallery. And once I did, you realize the pressure from the gallery. Like, what are you doing next? And I'm, like, I'm trying to. I'm doing this. I'm doing that. <laughs> and then I was also involved in, and I wasn't involved in leadership per se, but I was very active in the church. In the worship team. The worship team. And we always had a small group. The university, you know, Still Valley, you know, just slowly weaned from that because I realized I can always go back to those things, but I can't go back to little kids at home. I love the story of your marriage because 
it's a picture of two people that felt very broken and maybe felt like they were not worthy of love and a fresh start, but Jesus gave both of you that in each other. And you guys have been faithfully serving and loving each other and having a great impact on the kingdom. And you didn't let your past keep you from where you are today. And I think Mm -hmm. that people need to know that there's hope if they've gone through tough times Mm -hmm. or they've had a past that they're not proud of or they they didn't expect their lives to turn out that way, that God is so redemptive and Mm -hmm. he can take your ashes and turn it into beauty. Can I address the abortion issue? And, And I say that very carefully because when she shared that with me, I I probably never brought it up again. If they talked about that, I was like, turn off the radio, turn the page, don't hurt Marta. So we just didn't talk about that. Well, well there were people oh in, gosh, in yeah. this church at that time that would verbally condemn people who had walked through that. And it's like, it stayed hidden for a long time. Yeah. So at one point, you went through... This is really interesting how God works. We were part of a church plant and someone came up up to me who had been part of this church and said, can I talk to you? And I said, sure. Can I ask you a question? I said, sure. And they just point blank said, did you ever have an abortion? And I said, "Uh, yeah, why? She said, because you are depressed and you need to see my doctor. Now, what she didn't know was if something upset me, I would just go off a deep end And the only way to get out of it was to go to bed and sleep for a couple hours. So she didn't know that, but she sensed it. The Lord told her that. Mm -hmm. So I went to her doctor. I went to her counselor. I went through abortion recovery. And then I didn't finish that because I started working. And I was on medication for depression for a little bit. But I finally got to the place that I felt like I fit in my skin again. And I wasn't having those outbursts of anger. And <laughs> those are residues from the abortion experience. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And this began the healing process. Yes. And that's the other thing. We, we have walked through healing together in our marriage. Mm-hmm. Individual from our passes. Yeah, from from our, past, our past, yeah. So I stopped doing that. I didn't finish the last class. And so come time to look at retirement, I never had finished that class. I had never finished addressing that. And so I felt like I needed to take another class. And it was the same lady. This was years later. Years later, 15 or so years later, I'm coming back to this and looking at that. So I went through that class, and it was incredible. And Greg was very supportive, and it was very healing for us because it was something that we never really brought up because he knew it was very hurtful. Tell him about the the last. So I I ended up taking more training, and I actually led an abortion recovery class. And uh, so I'm... I can do that. But having gone through some sozos, along with that, that particular teaching class will not allow me to bring sozo into that. And it's so important to bring sozo into some of what they had available. So for um, those of our listeners that don't know what sozo is. Sozo is a Greek word meaning saved, healed, and delivered. It's simply an inner healing ministry that deals with the root issues uh, of one's life and brings Jesus and the Holy Spirit into that healing process. It's very wonderful, very gentle, very kind. I highly recommend it. I highly recommend it. 
But when you were going through it the second time, the last phase Mm -hmm. was a recognition. Well, they asked you actually to imagine what sex. Asked the Lord what that child was. Was was. a boy or girl? And to give it a name. A name. And then to have a funeral service. A memorial service. I'm thinking, oh my gosh, that's cruel. Why would you pick the wound at that point to make it mean, so fresh and so personal? You know, I struggled with that because I was always wanted to protect her. And here they're just like, you're just opening it up. And then I began to realize, oh my gosh, this is, and I actually went to the service mm-hmm. and it was hugely meaningful. Yeah. There was another girl in the because service. Because she asked me, she asked me, well, would you? Well, there was another girl in the class and her husband had a previous relationship and asked that girl to have an abortion. So the girl had an abortion with somebody else and the husband had an abortion with someone else. And he felt so horrible about that. He told his wife that he would adopt that child, you know, that that he would give that child his name. And so I was telling Greg about that. And Greg said he would do that same thing, consider that child his. So, um, So we named him Jesse John, and we had a memorial service and brought dignity to his life. Well, brought dignity to a person who already is dignified Mm -hmm. and brought that dignity here on earth and in our relationship. And um, so that was that was just a really big healing, finally able to allow the Lord to love me and heal me in that so that generally... If I need to bring that up and talk about it, I don't get really teary. But because of a long time ago, the words that were spoken, I just really wanted to hide and not really bring that up. It's, I'm not proud of that past, but the Lord can take what the enemy meant to destroy us and use it for good. So I, it taught me that I have been forgiven much, 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 much. How dare I not forgive anybody else for what they've walked through? I can be very gracious and merciful. I can be very forgiving. And we've heard some amazing stories over our lifetime of people that we've ministered to of just the things that they've walked through. And and I know, because I know the Lord has forgiven me, I can offer that to them and speak the truth that the Lord can heal anything. The Lord can forgive anything. It just has to do with what does your heart want to do with that? Do you want that? Mm -hmm. And he can do that. I think so often people bring past hurts and pains into their relationships that impacts their marriage when it didn't even start in the marriage. And sometimes you're just oblivious or sometimes you were told, like, don't speak of this. You know, you don't even think about how that might be impacting you, whether it comes out in depression and it looks like something else, Mm -hmm. but it's something that you didn't deal with. And then it's in the midst of a marriage, and now there's two people in that situation that are having to deal with the consequences of things that aren't healed. So I think that people need to know that there's hope if you've gone through hard situations and there's God Mm -hmm. is healing and you can work through things. And like Marta, I think it sounds like it was a word of knowledge that that lady came to you Mm -hmm. and said, you know, did you have this happen in your experience? And sometimes God uses people that way to give them information about someone that they might not normally know. It's like God telling you, Marta, like, I see you and Mm -hmm. you're important to me. And I don't know if you realize this, but this is hurting you and hurting your marriage and your family. And I want you to be free of that. Amen. 
sometimes we know what's been done to us or what we've done. And sometimes we don't. Like I, I had to deal with, I had to realize and feel it and address the issue of my relationship or lack of relationship with my dad. And going through that process was hugely healing. To the point that I had the opportunity to pray with my mom to accept Jesus and then my dad. Never, ever would have thought that would have happened. But it only happened because of the healing and my ability at one point to go to my dad and ask him to forgive me for my holding back. Never in that process did I, I say, you did not, you did not, why didn't you, blah, blah. It was, it was, I, mean, I was asking him to forgive me, and that just opened the floodgates of conversation and connection. Again, to the point that I was able to invite him into accepting Jesus. But all of that came through me going to right. a meeting once a week and trying to get healing in my life for, I wasn't quite sure what exactly, something, and praying with two other women on a weekly basis and staying out maybe till midnight, and he would be waiting for me to come home, wondering what was the nugget that the Lord imparted to me for that week, Mm -hmm. and eventually brought the need to resolve the hurt in his heart with his dad. And so, can help each other not even know it. So... that's why I feel like, oh my gosh, marriage is the most amazing and beautiful thing because you have these two people and there's no one closer to you and there's no other opportunity like you have to minister to that person. Like there is no other opportunity that I have to minister to anyone in the world like Chris. That is my role and it's such a beautiful role. My gosh, what an example of love. Right. I mean, just even mentioning the kayaks, like what an example. Care and not just care, but your insight into Greg, his spirit, what he needed. You know, you can see those things and minister so specifically. And that that's really a choice that that couple needs to make. Beth, you addressed it perfectly. You bring into that marriage your garbage bag. And so you're hurt, you're wounded, whatever, you're not perfect. And you bring into that, that, that relationship. So to work through those, if the couple does that together, because those things are going to bubble up and they're going to cause issues. But, but the role you know, of working back and forth, forth to find healing together, together. in each other. Ab- absolutely. And for us, Jesus yeah. was the center. And I guess the other... Yeah, uh, he was the base. Yeah, so, he so, was the rock. So the other is just our walk of faith together. We grow together. We're constantly growing. We're reading. We're talking about what we're reading, what God's showing us. And and so like like I will read something and go, oh, I never saw it before. And I, I say, hey, Marta, I'm share this. And I saw this. And, and she goes, well, I've seen this. And, and I mean, it's just wonderful. So a couple growing together and growing together with Christ, all of that, you get closer to him, you get closer to each other. Kate called the intimate pastor. <laughs> That's kind of a, because intimacy is so much more than, than sex, although sex is awesome. And it Greg really, just talks a lot and, about to explain that. Greg talks yeah. a lot about <laughs> the necessity of connection, of communication, mm-hmm. of having relationship with people. Yeah. And yeah. all of those things end up, sometimes he uses the word intimate. Like it's important that mm-hmm. in some cases, in some relationships and marriage especially, that we know each other intimately. Yeah. And that's not the same as sexually. No. That's not the same. Right. And so we joke around a lot because he uses that word. So we're yeah, Greg's yeah. the intimacy pastor because <laughs> yeah. the idea of intimacy is knowing someone really fully and accepting them right. and loving them yeah. in that. Right. 
Intimacy. Intimacy. And and you know, listening to what they don't say. You know, like he wasn't he wasn't saying he wanted kayaks, but yes. I knew what he needed. This is really I'm gonna share I'll try to do this very quickly. So and I mentioned on Sunday being the waterfront director to camp up in New York and a year or two or three years ago I thought, I wonder what Camp Corey's doing. So I got online and looked and I said I said, Mar to look at this. This is Camp Corey and it was just neat to see. That's all. Okay, so one day I was looking up twice. I think I said I'd love to go back. I'd love to go back and see the place. So I was looking at my paper calendar that I keep, and one day I noticed this block of time was marked off and vacation or whatever. I thought, hmm, I didn't say anything. So she said, did you see that? I said, yeah. She said, well, I'm going to take you away. Oh, that's cool. Because it's getting closer. And she goes, we're going to take the bike and the kayaks. And I'm thinking we're going to go up to Geneva on the lake of the lodge up there. And then well, as we get closer, she goes, well, no, we're going to bring her sleeping bags. And I'm thinking, well, we're Where's not going. the lodge? <laughs> yeah, that's not a Sleeping lodge. bag. Okay. So we get in the car and we I'm start broke. driving that direction. And then we're into Pennsylvania and we're driving and we're driving. And I said, where are we going? Well, you'll find out. And finally, I said, Marta, are we still in Pennsylvania? I said, where are we in Pennsylvania? She goes, we're not in Pennsylvania. I said, where the heck are we? <laughs> she said, we're in New York. I said, what are we doing in New York? She said, you don't know where we're going? I said, Marta, please tell me where we're going. I have no <laughs> idea where we're going. And we're Penyan. I said, we're going to Penyan, New York. He goes, where is Penyan, New York? And I the, said, now think about it. And then I said, oh, my gosh. And I almost started to cry. So we went to... He's getting choked up right now. (laughs) (laughs) So they had an alumni reunion. I got online and I had looked and they had an alumni reunion. So we went to this camp and we stayed in one of the cabins. This was after 43 years of not being there. And so we went to this reunion and there were, there was at least one fella that was there that was there. He he was, was he was the sail master. So I was the waterfront director and he was in charge of the sailing club. Which Greg knew nothing about sailing. Well, but Dr. Jelly taught me how to sail <laughs> on the, the sun, Dr. Jelly, jelly the, sun, the <laughs> sunfish. So you die, no jelly, and they're awesome. The so, so I did sail. I learned how to sail there, and it was so cool. Oh, it was just so so neat to go to the boathouse to where the office, where my office was, and go in where my room was and stand there. When I prayed to God and said, God, what the heck am I doing here? How do I do this? And he answered that prayer, even though I wasn't following him. Because I get up the next morning and it's like, I can do this. Because <laughs> he's always constantly calling us, even when we're not following him. Because he knows who we are and what he wants us to do. And he said, I'm going to help you here. And I'm going to help you here. So it was, it, was just, it was just a neat experience. I mean, I could go on and on about that. But this was really cool. They were totally amazed that she pulled that off. And she made that happen to go back to that, to meet. There's other things I could talk about. So Marta Marta really lets her light shine in your marriage through paying attention and surprising you and... Yeah. You know, things that you would... Yeah. Maybe you thought about, but you would never make happen. Yeah. Marta's very creative. And so if you guys need some ideas... Look her up and she can (laughs) fill you in on some creative ideas. How would you say Greg lets his light shine in your marriage, Marta? He's an encourager. An encourager. He stands by me when I feel like I'm melting into the ground. (laughs) We're saying, Marta, is that truth or is that a lie? (laughs) Where's that coming from? He's my best bud. Amen. And I think that's so good. You mentioned that and Bruce and Monica also mentioned that. They're best friends. 
You know, Monica was saying in the midst of 2020, in the midst of the pandemic, mm -hmm. there's not anyone in the entire world she would have rather been with than mm -hmm. her best friend, Bruce. Absolutely. You know, that Absolutely. marriage is a picture. Yeah, you got to be friends. Of such deep friendship. You know, like I, I wasn't really too hot on going kayaking. It wasn't <laughs> something that I would choose to do, but I've seen some just really amazing, beautiful things out on the lake with Greg. And I look forward to going out on the lake and just being with Greg by myself. If you're, if you're willing to get into your spouse's world, there's a lot of beauty there that you wouldn't get otherwise. Mm -hmm. It's good not to just demand your way all the time. <laughs> How does Marta let her light shine? Other than the surprises. and Oh, I just think, first of all, she doesn't realize the impact she has in people's lives. She doesn't realize the, the things she does. Oftentimes we don't. We just, well, that's just what I do. I, but Kenley calls her the, the grandma that can fix anything. <laughs> she can make anything. She can fix anything. And uh, very creative. We're creative in different ways. My area in the visual art was basically drawing and painting. And hers was ceramics. She's incredible ceramic work. More, more in the craft and printmaking was her major awesome cook but just to unfollow a pattern she'll look at something and just make it and but also her ministry to people and i think i see that happening more and more mentoring women people are coming to you for that is there anything else that you guys want to tell us Ooh, random facts i, I just thought random i thought of this you know we talked about you know bliss and in conversations <laughs> um love the, and marriage the, the, we ha i call them discussions <laughs> arguments <laughs> oh, okay. so we He's had one we had we had one in the kitchen one time i remember and i had the dish towel i must have been drying dishes or something and i just got so ticked i just threw the dish towel up in the air which got caught in the fan <laughs> So the going. dish towel now is going around and around in the fan, and we just cracked up. Another just, one, he was backing out of the driveway, and something made him upset. Mad. And he slammed his fists on the steering wheel, and opera started playing. Be because the radio at times wouldn't turn on, and it would just turn off and turn on. So it was on. It was on loud, but what came on was this opera. Oh! <laughs> and it just, it's a comic again, relief just, in that. It just, it just cracked itself. Well, I love how you guys are so authentic. And, you know, people can come to church and look like we got our acts together mm -hmm. and you don't know that they were screaming and yelling and swinging their hands in the backseat of the car towards a kid. Yeah. <laughs> but, you know, we've heard from Greg and Marta today that there's pain and there's heartache and there's depression and there's anger and there's love okay. and love prevails. So if you're out there listening and you think, man, there's some hard things in my life or my relationship, I just want to encourage you that there's hard things in all relationships, but Jesus, like they said, what they've learned in 41 and a half years of marriage is the faithfulness of Jesus. And them coming together and having Christ be the center of their relationship has carried them a long way. And you guys, you guys are faithful. You yeah. are so faithful to our members here at the church and yeah. to our community. You serve with huge hearts. And so we are grateful for you guys dealing with your crap <laughs> and, and getting to the place where you are healthy and whole and can serve because what you give to our church and our community is beautiful. Yes. Amen. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks for the opportunity. So thank you, listeners. Make sure you come back next week. I get to interview. I'm solo interviewing next week, Kate and Chris. So we're in our month of love. 
the love boat. <laughs> thanks. Oh, thanks. Thanks. Bye. 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 <laughs>